years ago, I remember watching an episode of 2020 where they did a lengthy expose on the occult. And during this segment, as they talked about the occult, they went into an in-depth discussion of it, of how it has devastating effects on our society. Teenage suicide, human sacrifices, orgies, witchcraft, drug addictions. And on that show, they continued to de detect and show the effect of Satanism. But what makes me remember it is what happened after that. The camera panned back to the bewildered hosts of 2020, Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters. And Barbara turned and said, the thing that disturbs me most about this, Hugh, is who is at the top of this and how can we stop them? I remember almost laughing, thinking, okay, Barbara, who's at the top of Satanism? <laughs> Maybe it's Satan, right? And as we're in this unstoppable series, today we focus even more on him, but also more on the effects of what we can do to defeat him. Satan is the prince of darkness, but we'll look at a familiar passage of scriptures to believers that we have to lean on in order to stop him, to defeat him, so that the church is unstoppable. I want to share a couple truths with you. The first one is this. There is a supernatural struggle between Christians and the powers of darkness. Each day we are in a cosmic battle that's playing out between the forces of good and evil. We're going to work our way through this passage in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or a Bible app, or the verses will be on the screen. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, Paul shares this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a lot of people who believe Satan is just a mythical character conjured up to complete the picture that there's an enemy of God. They think the devil is more so a figment of our imagination. The way they do away and explain him away is much like you'd explain away Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. A lot of people have an image of the cartoon Satan, and that's all they see is this little red figure with a pitchfork in his hands. Reminds me of the story of the third grade boy who was misbehaving in Sunday school class. The teacher had had enough, walked over, grabbed him by the arm, and began to shake him, and she said, young man, I think the devil's got a hold of you. The frightened young boy looked back up at her and said, so do I, so do I. Well, I believe the devil's got a hold of all of us. To some of us, at a bigger degree than others. But we have to understand and accept that Satan is a literal supernatural being roaming this earth. How many believe that Satan is for real, that the devil's real? 
How many of you did business with him this week, this past week? Seriously, right? We all do. And in preparation for this message and through this series, I've been more aware of how often I come face to face with Satan and the powers of this world trying to manipulate my heart, my words, my actions. Think about things that maybe you do now in your life that you used to say maybe, that you now say maybe to. That years ago, you would have said, no way will I ever do that in my life. As, the Satan, sli- as Satan slithers and moves in our lives. Here's an important factor in reacting to Satan's power in our lives. We'll call it CMD. Say it with me. CMD stands for critical moment of decision. Every single time Satan tempts us, attacks us, there is a critical moment of decision for us. And the quicker we stand up against him, the more likely it is that he will not defeat us. There comes a decision moment. And if we back away at that first instant when he attacks us, then he will continue to to attack us like a battering ram. He won't stop. How would King David's life and legacy have been different had he made the right decision at that CMD moment when from his palace he saw Bathsheba taking a bath? How would Joseph have been remembered at that CMD moment had he failed the purity test when when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him? Each day, you and I are faced with decisions, critical moment decisions. As we're about to run out of patience with our family member, with someone that we work with, as our mouse moves and guides the computer, as we come in contact with a non-believer who might be mocking our faith in God, How will you be remembered for those CMD moments in your life? Satan is called the accuser, the adversary, the enemy, the prince of darkness, the father of lies, the one who has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Never underestimate his power and the battle going on. There is a supernatural struggle struggle between Christians and the powers of darkness in this world. (coughs) Second truth. (coughs) Excuse me. There is spiritual protection when Christians wear their spiritual armor. Making the right decision at the critical moment also requires having the right armor and protection on our bodies. He continues in verse 13. Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. Paul uses a familiar sight back then, a Roman soldier in his army. 
armor. He probably did it because everybody was familiar with it. But I also think he did it because he knew it would stand the test of time. We know what that looks like. Gene, wait, there we go. The picture of the Roman soldier in the armor, it's lasted forever since Paul's day. Paul likely chained to this guard, guarded by the Roman guard. So he uses that as the illustration to transcend time. And I think Satan whispers to you and I, there's nothing of any significance that you couldn't handle this past week. Don't worry about next week. You don't need any protection. You don't need any spiritual protection. You can make it on your own. And so Satan lulls us to sleep. And when we least expect it, he's on the attack. He's on the attack. Soldiers in battle know that when you are on a break and you leave the compound, you have to be very careful where you go in a war zone. You can go to an area that they refer to as the green zone. In the green zone, there's U.S. military protection. Maybe you even have an escort taking you and they're armed in the green zone. So you're free to roam around. But there's an area outside of the green zone called the red zone. And when you enter into the red zone... Any soldier who ventures into that territory is said to be foolish and playing Russian roulette with their life because there's no protection there. That's how we as Christians should view the extensive powers of Satan. When we are wearing our spiritual armor, we're in the green zone. But the moment we take that armor off, we are entering into the red zone and we're asking for trouble. It may be at work where you have a casual conversation with someone of the opposite sex and out of nowhere, Satan goes on the attack. It might be when you're flipping through the channels with your remote control and all of a sudden, he's on the attack. It's essential that we have the spiritual armor on at all times. Paul, again, is in Rome, probably chained to or at least guarded by a Roman soldier who wore this armor. And he goes through six pieces that some of us, including myself, I've heard since I was this high. But man, do I have to be reminded to continually have that armor on. I came across the video this past week that kind of hopefully stirs us up to realize that it's a war we're in. Watch this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. When I saw that video, and I know it's kind of dark, but it made me even more put myself in the position that this is a battle. We're in a war zone. And as you listen, he went through the various items, pieces of armor. The first one being the belt of truth. <clears throat> Satan typically works his extensive power and deceit in the arena of 90 to 95% truth. 90 to 95% truth. Jesus said of Satan in John 8, there is no truth in him, for he is a liar <clears throat> and the father of lies. Satan has the ability to masquerade as the angel of light, giving half-truths. And man, do we see this in today's society, in today's world. Half-truths. If he can get you to buy into 5% or 10% of a lie, then he's got you. No wonder he's called the father of lies. Next, Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Satan will come at us, inviting us and luring us in to putting our own righteousness on, our own breastplate of righteousness instead of that of Christ. Isaiah 64, 6 says, our own righteousness is like filthy rags compared to a righteous, holy God. So we clothe ourselves not with our own righteousness, but with Christ. Jesus perfect. And since I'm going to do battle with the principalities and the powers of this world, I need all the protection I can get. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. So read this with me. Let's read this together. You are all sons. And it's by his righteousness, by his power, that we defeat Satan. He also says to wear the shoes of peace. I never really understood what this was. But as you think about it, when a soldier enters into battle, their footwear is important. Their boots are important, that they can move swiftly, that they can adjust and be confident in their stance. Ephesians 6.15 Paul says, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There should be a peace that permeates a group of believers. There should be a peace that permeates the church. Ephesians 4.3 adds, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of what? Peace. And within the church, and I'm not talking just Northside, I'm talking about the church, there should be a peace. We're all on the same team. And to understand that is crucial as we defeat Satan in this world. 
then Paul says, take up the shield of faith. Ephesians 6, 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. When you're tempted to go through periods of doubt, I encourage you to again take up the shield of faith and in doing so, reflect again on the historical evidence of Scripture and the reliability of Scripture and the fulfillment of over 300, nearly 300 messianic prophecies in the person of Jesus in the atoning death and sacrifice of Jesus. Reflect on the resurrection <clears throat> that gives you and I hope beyond the grave. And then most of all, reflect on the multitude of changed lives by the power of Jesus Christ. Allow that <clears throat> to reinforce your shield of faith. An honest seeker who does a thorough investigation, I believe they'll realize it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe the word of God. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Paul goes on to say, don't forget, we're to put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. <clears throat> and Satan is attacking my voice. <clears throat> Satan has a heyday messing with our salvation. Trying to convince us that our salvation is done by works. That we earn our salvation. He has a heyday making us question our salvation. Am I really saved? Am I really going to heaven? He wants you to enter into heaven in eternity with your fingers crossed. Not to have that assurance that salvation and the grace of Jesus Christ and what that gives you and I. And if he can get you to question your salvation, he will play with your mind until the day that you die. You must have an assurance that you are saved by the amazing grace of Jesus Christ and never doubt it for a moment. 1 John 5, beginning with verse 11 through 13. Let's read this together. Maybe it'll cause my voice to come back. Let's read this. And this... That you may know, you may know you have eternal life. Don't let that confidence leave you. 
after listing the armor to defend us against temptation, he goes into only one offensive weapon. Verse 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the, what? Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sixth piece of armor is the sword of the Spirit. It's the only offensive weapon we have to go against Satan. The very words of God by the power of his spirit. Try any other weapon, Satan has one stronger, sharper, and more powerful. The word of God is your power. It's not powerful even by itself though, coupled with prayer, watch out. Going on, verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying with all the saints. Prayer is the force behind the armor. Prayer is not part of the battle. Prayer is the battle. We ran a little piece on Facebook this past week. Henry put it together. And it had a guy walking, if you saw it, just walking outside. And it talked about Satan. It used my, my voice and my words from last week about how Satan attacks us and the war that we're in. But it intentionally really didn't give a solution. And as I watched the feed underneath of it, it was amazing. Someone just typed in Ephesians 6. And then Amy Dudley, what she put affected me the rest of the week. She just simply put three flames. Three flames, fire. I thought, yeah. And how do we get that fire? How do we get the Holy Spirit's fire inside of us to defeat him? On our knees. On our knees. In prayer. If you take the sword of the Spirit, the very words of God, and you couple that when you're on your knees in prayer in your war room, so to speak, man, watch Satan go away. Nothing can stop the church when the church is on offense. And I know some of you you're in the midst of a battle right now. You're tired. You're wounded. You've taken some hits. You've experienced some loss. And maybe you're weary. And you're about ready just to throw in the towel. Please, please. Remember your strength is in the Lord. 
you go to him in prayer and you pray out loud, you scream if you have to, and you say, God, open my eyes and help me put my confidence in your power and not mine. Help me put my confidence, God, in you and in not myself. Remember as we started this series, we began in Matthew 16, where Jesus asked his disciples, hey guys, who do people say that I am? And Peter spoke up, and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus commended him and said, Peter, upon that, that confession, that rock, I will build my church. And then he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the church on offense. Long, long ago when I first would reflect on this and hear this, I often thought, well, maybe the church was gonna be attacked by the gates of hell and somehow it would survive. That's not what this is saying. If you, get, if you got that, you're missing this. A gate is not an offensive weapon. A gate simply stands around a city. It, you've never seen a soldier go into battle with a gate in his hand. No. We are on offense. A gate, hell is simply on defense when the church is doing its job. And when the church is doing its job on offense, it is unstoppable. I want you to have confidence. And the great, one of the greatest verses to give you confidence that should be going through your mind daily, daily, is from 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Say it with me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. One more time, greater is he that is in me One more time, say it by yourself, say it out loud. Greater Father, may that be our heartbeat. May that be the force that drives us. God, may that stir something inside of us as believers. Because when that fire, your fire, your Holy Spirit is inside of us, nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop your church. And God, I pray that you would stir us up. You would stir us up as your church. God, as we meet in this facility right now, God, I believe you have great visions. Great visions that you're going to do. Difference that you're going to make in people's lives through the people in this very room as we press forward on offense as your church. God, bring a revival. 
bring a revival to we ourselves, bring a revival to this city. God, as we put on your armor every single day and ward off Satan's attacks. God, may we truly begin to believe what we just said. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Assuring ourselves that no matter what, Jesus will prevail. The church will prevail even against the gates of hell. Give us that battle cry. Help us to be that warship in the midst of Satan's attacks in this life. And God, we will give you all praise, all glory, and all honor until we celebrate in eternity with you and the place you prepare for each and every one of us as your children. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I ask you to stand, please. Let's celebrate the victory we have as believers. And as we sing this song, I love this song. And if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've never put him inside of your heart, you don't have the power. You've not yet begun to put on the armor of God. And I'd love to talk to you about how to do that today. I'll be in the back, chase me down, or get any one of these guys. But let's sing this.